beautiful. That's what comes to mind when we think about our human design and we're progressively exposed to the perfection of God's original design. Our lives begin to reflect that beauty. Your life is His design, and His design is beautiful. Thank you for engaging with us as we are about to be further exposed to the beauty of His design as we look into the world to see Jesus. Good evening, everybody. Welcome to Vibe Wednesday. Father, in the name of the Lord Jesus, we thank you for the opportunity that we have to sit around your word. We thank you for the privilege that you have given us. We are not like those who lived in the book of Judges who did not have the privilege of hearing your voice. Lord, we know your voice. We hear from you. You are not silent on us. You always hear us and you always love to speak to us. I want to thank you for this moment. I want to thank you for the opportunity that we have. And now our hearts and our minds are open to receive your word. We thank you because our hearts are flooded with illumination and revelation. With light. The light of Jesus is shining in our hearts ever so brightly. We thank you in the name of Jesus because we experience newness, freshness as we receive the word of God today. We bind every external force that tries to hinder the word from prevailing. Now we decree and declare that your word gains roots in our hearts and prevails. Thank you, precious Father. In Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen. Hallelujah. So we are probably in the fifth episode of the Scandalous Strings series um okay maybe the seventh i don't know the episode that we have today is monument it's monument and i'd love to read the book of mark chapter number 14 that's where we're going to begin from today the book of mark chapter number 14 We'll read from verse 1. I'm reading from the King James Bible. Mark 14. Um, we can actually read from verse... We can actually read from verse 3, but I think it's okay to start from verse 1. Alright, Mark 14. Alright. So, from verse 1. After two days was the feast of the Passover and of unleavened bread and the chief priests and the scribes sought how they might take him by crafts and put him to death speaking about Jesus verse 2 but they said not on the feast day lest there be an uproar of the people now let's look at verse 3 and that's where we're going to start from tonight and being in Bethany, in the house of Simon the leper, as he sat at meat, there came a woman having an alabaster box of ointment, of spikenard, very precious. And she broke the box and poured it on his head. Verse 4. And there were some that had indignation within themselves some that had indignation within themselves and said why was this waste of the ointment made that's why for it might have been sold for more than 300 pence and have been given to the poor and they murmured against her verse 6 and Jesus said, Let her alone. Why trouble ye her? She has wrought a good work on me. For ye always have, ye have the poor with you always. And whensoever ye will, ye may do good to them. But me ye have not always. Verse 8. She had done what she could. She is come aforehand to 
anoint my body to the bearing. And let's look at verse 9. Very important. It says, Verily I say unto you, Wheresoever this gospel shall be preached throughout the whole world, this also that she had done shall be spoken of for a memorial of her. Wow, amazing, amazing, amazing. Alright, so tonight we are beginning the episode Monuments, Monuments. And I'd like to explain what it is so that the moment we get right into it, you would understand what we are talking about. A monument is a statue or any other structure erected to commemorate a noble person or an event. Say that again. A monument is a statue or other structure erected to commemorate a notable person or an event. So the word that is operational here um, amongst others is to commemorate, to commemorate right now to commemorate or to commemorate means to recall or to show respect to someone or to something very important to commemorate means to recall to bring back the mind or to show respect to someone or to something now you see we've been talking about generosity and we've talking we've been talking about how scandalous God's generosity towards us has been. In this episode and in the episodes to come until we close out this um, series, I'm now going to begin to focus on your response to God's generosity. I'm going to focus on the mindset, the kind of mind that we ought to have in response to God's generosity. I think I've done a great job of unveiling God's generosity to us. Okay? We, we, we talked about how that He forgives our iniquities and heals all our diseases. We talked about the fact that God's generosity towards us, you know, the extent of His generosity towards us is enriching the things that we need but cannot afford. You know, I talked about the scandalous nature of God's generosity and how that it was whilst we were dead in our trespasses and sins that Jesus came for us. There was nothing of value that we could actually give because we were dead. The only value that we had was the value in the Father's eyes. There was nothing. We had nothing to offer. You know, um, God wasn't responding to us the way we respond to things on earth. You know, the way we respond to things on earth in generosity is always... There's always some what is in it for me kind of question. But that was not what, what was on God's mind. We weren't, we, weren't, um, we weren't equipped. We weren't built to be able to um, give anything back to God. Because we were dead. You see. And then the other important thing which, which is very powerful. Is that you know when God was giving up his son for us. There was no guarantee that we will respond to his love. There was no guarantee that we were going to see the love of God and respond to it. There was nothing. And I made mention of the fact that if you and I were business people and we, we found a so-called opportunity that had no guarantees whatsoever, I'm very certain that you and I will not want to invest in such an opportunity. See, because we would con- we will conclude that that's actually not an opportunity. So only the Father will do something as scandalous as seeing the ungodly and justifying them, even long before they ever come to the consciousness that they need a savior. You see, the Bible says, "For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son." Do you understand? He so loved that He gave first. Now, this world was not a righteous world. This world was a sinful world. A world that was dead in trespasses and sins. There was nothing 
um, to desire in the world. So the only desire and compassion and value that the world had was the value that was in the Father's eyes for us. So we have talked about the scandalous nature of the generosity of the Father. Very scandalous. Right? You know, we asked you a question. How many of you would fall in love with the cops? How many of you would, would love to redeem a corpse? And you see, that's a scandalous thing to do. If anybody were to do it, the news would go agog with all kinds of headlines as to how, how you know, unspeakable, despicable it is for somebody to fall in love with a corpse. But you see, the Father saw us dead in our trespasses and sins and loved us enough to send His Son to become incarnated to live in the flesh to become like us to be able to redeem us so we talked about extensively and you you may want to go listen to those episodes alright we've talked about you know the, the scandalous nature of the father's love what I want to do with this episode is to talk about for a brief moment the response what our mind should be alright in response to the Father's generosity. And that's what this episode is about. So, a monument is a statue or a structure that is erected to commemorate a notable person or an event. Now, you and I can be, you and I can be, can agree with me, you can agree with me that many people have built a monument around various events in their lives. A monument around the time when, you know, something terrible happened. A monument around a period in their lives where they failed. A monument, they built a structure around, you know, a time in their lives when, you know, um, they, 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 they didn't have enough. And I'm telling you, a lot of people have built a monument around their success. They built a structure around their success, a structure around their wealth. Many people have built a monument around their wealth. You know, many people have built a monument around their, their exercise. You know, there's been a lot of things that people have built monuments around. You know, but what we want to do with this episode is to help you to build a monument around redemption. To build a monument around the finished work of Jesus. You see, because... If you don't intentionally build a monument, if you don't intentionally build a monument around redemption, you're not likely to be generous towards redemption. You see, your generosity, oh thank you precious Holy Spirit, your generosity towards redemption or your generosity towards the gospel is only going to be as effective to the degree as you, to the degree to which you can remember what Jesus has accomplished for you. You see, if you cannot remember what Jesus has accomplished for you, you're not likely to be generous towards it. So, what we are asking you to do today in this episode is to become intentional about building a monument. Build a, a memory, build a monument around redemption. Make it a big deal. Make it part of your thought consciousness. And I'll show you just about how to go about it. You see, um, let's go back to that definition and then I'll just begin to go right into the teaching. It's going to bless you. You see, a monument is a statue or a structure erected. So, it has to be done intentionally. Erected to commemorate a notable person or an event. So we want you to build, erect, you know, an, a, a structure around redemption. Now that word commemorate means to recall or to show respect to someone or something. So we want you to show respect to the finished work of Jesus. Glory to God. We want you to show respect. We want you to be able to bring to memory, to recall what Jesus has done 
You see, your generosity to the gospel depends on your ability to remember what Christ has done for you. So if it's not in your consciousness, if it is not in your memory, if it is not something you remember consciously, you may not be generous towards it. So everything we've been explaining from the beginning of the series till now has to become a monument in your mind. Now you see, people make monuments of various things. They make monuments of their degree. They make monuments of their career. They make monuments of, of their money in the bank. They make a big deal of, of, the, of the exposure that they have. They make a big deal of, you know, um, of their, their different things. You see, but like Paul, I, I don't want to go into that because I don't want to really, really delve into a lot of things today. But like Paul, Paul said something very important. He says, I've determined to know nothing amongst you but Christ and Him crucified. You see, the reason why Paul could spend, Paul said something. He said, I will spend and be spent for the gospel. You see, the reason why Paul could spend and be spent for the gospel was because he had made it his monument. He had made the finished work of Jesus his monument. He had made it a consciousness. He had made it a duty to constantly recall how generous the Father has been to him. He made it a, a, a duty to realize. He made it a, 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 a monument to realize how lost he was. You know, Paul said something very powerful. I don't, I don't have the time to go into all of it, but I'm going to mention them here and there. Paul said something powerful. Paul said that I reckon that Christ came to save sinners, of whom, of, out of which I am chief. Wow. You see, Paul recognized that he was chief among sinners. And if not for what Jesus did, he would, he would have remained in his sins. So, you, you, you ask yourself, why was Paul so giving to the gospel? Why was he ready to spend and be spent for the gospel? Why was Paul not considering the inconvenience or considering the change? Paul was arrested several times. Paul was beaten several times. Paul was wounded several times. Paul was put in prison on several occasions. Why was that not a problem to him? Why was he not... Why was he not bothered about all of that? You know the reason why he wasn't bothered about all of that? Was because he had made a monument out of the gospel, out of the finished work of Jesus. Paul had made a monument out of, you know, what Christ has accomplished for him. So Paul was, he had made it a, a, a conscious duty to recall and to show respect to the finished work of Jesus. And one of the ways, I'll show you, one of the ways to, sh let, me, let me even say this, then we'll go. There are three ways, there are three ways amongst others to show respect to what Jesus has done. To show, to commemorate what Jesus has done. Number one, believe. Write that down. Number one, believe. How do you respect and honor what the Father has done and has accomplished in Christ Jesus? You believe. That's how you show respect. You honor what he has done by believing. You see, if you don't believe, if you don't believe what, 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 what God has done, right, you don't honor what he has done. So, for example, if you magnify your sin more than you magnify God's grace, you dishonor the grace of God. If you magnify your mistake more than you magnify the finished work of Jesus, you, dis you dishonor the grace of God. If you magnify your past more than you magnify the sacrifice of Jesus, you dishonor what Jesus has done. So the first way you honor what you commemorate, you show respect to what Christ has done, is that you believe Him. Number two, you receive from Him. Number two, you receive from Him. You see, receiving from Him is a way of honoring what He has done. You receive His love. You receive His mercy. You receive His forgiveness. You receive... You see, we don't ask for forgiveness in the New Covenant. We receive His forgiveness. We 
receive his forgiveness. His forgiveness has already been lavishly given. When Jesus said it is finished, what he was saying is that, hey, everything that is required to make God, to, to, you know, to be favorably disposed towards you has been accomplished. So we receive. We show honor. And let me tell you, the third way that we honor what Christ has done, we give. Generosity, and that's what we're talking about today. Generosity is a major way of honoring what Christ has done. You know, we go about what Jesus has done with a generous attitude and with a generous heart. We go about what Christ has accomplished with a generous attitude and with a generous heart. This is a way of honoring what He has done. Oh, thank you, precious Holy Spirit. Thank you, precious Holy Spirit. So, I wanted to start with helping you to understand what a monument is and be deep about it. Praise God. And so that when I now begin to elucidate on the text for today, you would not have any problem at all understanding what we are teaching. Praise God. Alright, so let's go to Mark chapter number 14. I, I, feel, I feel so excited today. Wow. <laughs> I feel so excited. Mark chapter number 14. And we're going to read from verse 3. Look at what it says. It says, and, it, and being in Bethany, in the house of Simon the leper, he sat at meat. Then came a woman, having an alabaster box of ointment, of spikenard, very precious. Take note of that. Very precious. And she broke the box and poured it on his head. That was an act of generosity. Now, listen to this. Why did this lady come like that with generosity towards Jesus? It's because she had made a monument of the goodness of Jesus. You see, whenever you make a monument of the goodness of Jesus, of His love and of His grace, you make a big deal of it. Your response, your natural response will be generosity. You see, if you struggle with generosity, if you struggle with open arms, it is because your monument is wrong. You have magnified the wrong, you have magnified the wrong thing. You have made a big deal of the scarcity in the world. You've made a big deal of how much it cost you to finally get that money. You've made a big deal of the sweats that it took. You've made a big deal of how much is in your bank account. And that's why it's become difficult for you to give. If you make a monument of the finished work of Jesus and you make a monument of His love towards you, it would be easy for you to open your arms. You know, when Sunday comes, I'm going to tell you why it is important for you to be generous. I'm giving you the monument today. On Sunday, I'm going to give you the importance why it is important for you to be generous. I'll get to that. But you see, um, let's look at verse 4. It says, and when, and there were some that had indignation within themselves and said, why was this waste of ointment made? Can you imagine that? If you, I think that this particular text is in other, other gospels. Alright, I, I believe that this text is in other gospels. It's in Mark, I believe. It is in Luke, I believe. The people who made this remark were people close to Jesus. They were actually his disciples. Now, see, here's the point. They were close to him, but they had not made a monument of who he was. They had not made a big deal in their minds of what he had been telling them that he was going to do. This woman was not his disciple. She was not close to him. She came from a distance. And that, that's, that's the thing. You know, many times... We have the gospel around us and because you've sat down in church long enough and you've been all you know is a gospel um after a while it ceases to be new to you you know it becomes a normal thing you don't even appreciate it anymore you don't realize that there are people who are in other places receiving you know stone they are eating stone you know they are eating stone for food but you are receiving the gospel of grace you're you're receiving the good news of the gospel every sunday it doesn't mean anything to you anymore. You don't, you don't value it. You don't, you don't appreciate it. It's just like normal. You'll be like, you know what? Just do, just be done quickly so that we can go on. 
I mean, you don't even value the, the, your pastor. You don't even appreciate. You don't even say thank you. You don't value nothing. You see, that's exactly what was happening in the case of Jesus. The people had come, alright, and they were around him long enough, long enough to no longer value what he was doing. Long enough to no longer, you know, see it as a big deal. But this lady had not, she had not been blessed with the, with the, let me put it like this. She had not been blessed with the gift of familiarity. <laughs> she had not been blessed with the gift of familiarity. So she came with generosity towards Jesus. Right, let's continue. Okay. Now, it's important that they were able to capture how much it costs. They were able to capture how much it costs. They were able to capture it. Now let's go on. And they said it would have been given to the poor. You see, they said it would have been given to the poor. I want you to take note of something. I'm going to say it, but I'm going to expatiate on it on Sunday. Now let's continue. Look at verse, verse 6. It says, And when Jesus, and Jesus said, let her alone. Why trouble ye her? She hath wrought a good work on me. For you have the poor with you always. And whensoever ye will, you may do good to them. But me you do not have always. Now, here's something that is very powerful. Jesus made a distinction between giving to the poor and giving to the cost. Wow. You see, Jesus made a distinction because many times people don't understand it. They say, they say things like, well, you know what, I give to the poor and all of that. Jesus clearly made a distinction between giving to the poor and giving to the cause. They are not the same. They are not the same. You see, giving to the poor does not have the same effect as giving to the gospel, as giving to the cause of Christ. It does not have the same effect. Don't make a mistake about it. You see, Jesus made a distinction here. So go and fight Jesus. Don't come, to, don't, don't come after me. Go after Jesus. He made a distinction here. You know, there are many people who hide their stinginess. You know, stinginess can hide under good things. So they hide their stinginess to, you know what, every once a year when it's my birthday, I take things and I go to motherless baby's home. I take things and I go to the orphanage and all of that and I give. And that's it. And then every Christmas, I also do the same. And that's it. So they believe that just because they do that, they are exonerated from giving to the cause of Christ. But Jesus made a distinction here. He said there is a difference between giving to the poor and giving to the cause. You see, let me tell you. To give to the poor, all you have to be conscious of is their plight. But to give to the cause of Christ, you must magnify the finished work of Jesus. The cause, if you're going to give to the cause of Jesus, alright, to the cause of Christ, then the, what must be uppermost on your mind is what Jesus has done. When you're giving to the poor, what, what is uppermost of, on your mind is their plight. Not really the cause, not really what Christ has done. You see, but for you to be generous towards the gospel, you must magnify the gospel in your mind. The gospel must be big in your mind for you to be generous towards it. So Jesus said very clearly, He said, leave her alone. You know, leave her alone. You always have the poor amongst you. But me, you do not always have. You do not always have. Now, let's, let's look at this. Verse 9. He says, Verily I say unto you, Wherever this gospel shall be preached throughout the world, this also that she has done shall be spoken of as a monument of her. Wow. In other words, when we make a monument out of the finished work of Jesus, it causes us to be generous towards the cause. And guess what? A monument is made. A memorial is made before the Father about our generosity. Now listen to me. Some of you might think, oh, well, this is, this is legal. No, it's not legalistic at all. I am not telling you 
that your monument is what provided the redemption. That's not what I'm telling you. I'm not telling you that your, your giving is what provided the redemption. I'm not telling you that when you give, you make a memorial before God such that He will remember you to give you redemption. That's not what I'm saying. What I am saying is this. God has a reward system in place. For all who will respond to the gospel. It's always a response. Who will respond to the gospel with a heart of generosity. God rewards that. Remember the, the, the episode that where I talked about. Be of good cheer. Your sins are forgiven. And then I made mention of God loves a cheerful giver. And then I also made mention of the third one. For God so loved the world. And I said, why is it that God loves a cheerful giver? Because the cheerful giver is what makes it possible for the, for the world that God loves to be reached. Wow. The cheerful giver is the one who makes it possible for God to reach the world that he loves with the gospel. So, the cheer of our sins are forgiven. Is the chair that makes us a cheerful giver. So it means that we make a monument of redemption. And that now makes us to be generous. Cheerfully generous towards the cause. If you find a believer who is always murmuring when they are giving. You know, let me tell you. Whenever you are giving, you know. And your mind is always on the sacrifice you are making. The sacrifice you are making. The sacrifice you are making. Every time you want to give, your, your mind is always on the sacrifice you are making. I'm telling you, something is wrong somewhere. You see, because when your mind shifts from your sacrifice and your mind is fixed on his sacrifice, when your mind moves from the sacrifice you're making to be able to give to the gospel or to be able to give to the church, and your mind moves to the sacrifice he made to be able to make the life of God available to you, I'm telling you, you will move from tears to joy. You know why? Because you, you, you suddenly there's a shift in your thinking. There's a shift in your mind. From, oh, look at the sacrifice I'm making to be able to give towards this. To, hey, what sacrifice did Jesus make to be able to make the life of God available to me? I'm telling you, if you don't make a big deal of this thing, I'm telling you, let me tell you something. You see, if you don't make a big deal of what Jesus has done in your mind, I'm telling you, Satan is going to mess around with you. He's not supposed to. He's not supposed to. He has no right to. But the reason why he may be able to is because you've not made a big deal out of something that should be a big deal. Paul said it. He said, I've made a decision. And it's a decision you've got to make. That nothing else can be greater than the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ to me. It's a decision. Look at how Paul was committed to that cause. Look at how he followed it. Because he knew who he was before Jesus came and found him. So, we are being instructed today to make a big deal. Every time you feel the temptation to make it a light thing that Christ died for you, refuse that temptation. This is what your whole life is built on. Reject that temptation. Paul said, do we make, make a light thing? Is he a light thing that Christ died for us? Is he a light thing? It is not a light thing. <laughs> my brother and my sister, it is not a light thing. And let me tell you, as you rejoice about it not being a light thing, so would you give to it not being a light thing. Because that's the way other people will be rich. Let me, let me talk about this for a few more moments. You see, because it's very important for us to understand. We have so many people in the church who are very, very you know, they, you know, Jesus knew, if you look at this text, the, Jesus knew that these guys weren't really concerned about the poor. He just wanted to be spiteful about what this lady had done. They weren't really concerned about the poor. Now, let me tell you a few things that is important that, that, that 
you must recognize from this text. Number one, Jesus made mention that wherever, wheresoever the gospel is preached. So write this down. Number one, the gospel will be preached. Write it down. He says, wherever the gospel shall be preached throughout the world. In other words, the gospel shall be preached throughout the world. Write that down, please. The gospel shall be preached throughout the world. That's number one. Number two, wherever the gospel shall be preached, generosity will be spoken about. Powerful stuff. You know, we, we, we try to shy away from these things. We try to hide behind. No, look at this. Wherever the gospel will be preached, the next thing that would follow is the generosity of a woman. It's a generosity that accompanied the gospel being preached. Wow. Don't you understand that? Wherever the gospel will be preached, the gospel will be preached with reference to the generosity of a woman. So let me tell you, there is no gospel being preached without reference to our generosity. You see, two things are going to be referenced. The love of Christ and the generosity of His church. That's it's going to be referenced. How loving the Father is and how generous His church is. It's going to be referenced. He says, wherever this gospel will be preached throughout the world, what she has done will be spoken about. What did she do? She was generous towards Jesus. So write this down. The gospel spreads well with generosity. The gospel spreads well with generosity. Write this down. The generosity is an important aspect of the gospel. It's an important aspect of the gospel. Write this down. Generosity is important to the wherever the gospel will be preached. You can put wherever the gospel will be preached in quotation. Generosity is important to the wherever the gospel is preached. In other words, the generosity of people is important. It's going to be an important reference whenever the gospel is being preached. So, you must understand that this is very serious. Now, here's another thing that is very important. Knowing the worth, write this down please. Knowing the worth slash the price of what she gave was an important record. Think about it. The cost of what she gave and the price of it was an important record. You know, we have Christians today who believe, oh, well, nobody should know how much I gave. You know, I mean, it's not important. What is important is that, you know, I'm in church or that I'm a Christian or that I'm a believer. No, 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 no. The price, the cost of what she gave was also an important record. People knew how much it cost. They knew. It was important. It was very important. It was very important. It was very important. You know, I want to say this. People remember what they are being asked to give more than they remember what God gave. You know, they, they remember, they have, they, they take record of what they are being asked to give more than they remember what God gave. What you are being asked to give is nothing compared to what God gave. What you are giving is nothing compared to what God gave. You see, we must live in, me- in remembrance of what Christ has done. But let me tell you, you see, this monument actually is to remember, to make a strong commitment, alright, of the finished work of Jesus to your memory. What I mean is, to commit it to memory. Commit it to memory. You see, if you can't remember, you can't appreciate. If you can't remember, you can't be grateful. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. You see, write this down again. I'll, 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 I'll share all of these things as the Spirit of God just gave it to me. 
our generosity is meant to be an outflow response to a memory that is full of what Jesus has accomplished for us. Woo! Glory to God. Our generosity is meant to be an outflow response to a memory that is full of what Jesus has accomplished for us. That's why I started by helping you to realize that everything Jesus did, you could never have done for yourself. Jesus made you righteous. You could never have done it for yourself. Jesus made you blameless. You could never have done it for yourself. Jesus made you holy. You could never have done it for yourself. Jesus made you a saint. You could never have done it for yourself. He forgave all our iniquities. We could never have done it for ourselves. He heals all our diseases. We could never have done it for ourselves. So now, we are called to put what Jesus has done in our memory. We are called to put it to memory. Our generosity is meant to be an outflow response to a memory that is full of what Jesus has accomplished for us. Praise God forevermore. That's what our memory should be full of what Christ has accomplished for us. So now when you look at scripture, I'm going to I'm going to I'm going to touch on this very quickly. Jesus touched on it in this text and I'm going to show you a few more texts and then we'll close. You see when you look at scripture, remember that Jesus said wherever this gospel is preached, what she has done will be spoken about as a memorial of her. So, you build a monument of the finished work in your consciousness. And then as you do that, the Bible says you lay up treasures for yourself in heaven. It says do not lay up treasures for yourself on earth where things fail and where things are weak and broken. Lay up for your treasures for yourself treasures in heaven where nothing corruptible can touch oh I love this episode very strong I love it hallelujah I want you to say with me I'm building a monument with my generosity because I have made a monument of God's generosity in my mind say it again I'm building a monument with my generosity because I have made a monument of God's generosity towards me in my mind. That's how it works. You meditate on it every day. You dwell on it every day. You think about it every day. You meditate on it. Hallelujah. Now you see, this memory thing is so important. Building a monument is so important. that It is mentioned in scripture. And I want to show you um, a couple of places where it is mentioned. Praise God forevermore. Hallelujah. Glory, 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 glory. I want you to rejoice for a few moments. Rakte parogonskos. Zabarakata barakte latadigas. Mendra kastos. Sidra diga parash. Mandra diga sobraati. Mandre exokroshka. Zagabarakata barakata likisali. Lakta parakata barakata haya. Thank you, dear Lord Jesus. Now, let's look at 1 Corinthians 15. We read from verse 1. Hallelujah. 1 Corinthians 15 from verse 1. You know, you can always look at these scriptures in other translations. But I just like to start with the King James. But you can look at it in way other translations. Alright. It says, Moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the gospel which I preached unto you, which you also received, and wherein you stand. Look at verse 2. It says, By which you are saved. If you keep in memory what I preached unto you, unless you have believed in vain. You see, by which you are saved. What are you saved from? You're saved from the scarcity of this world. You're saved from the lack mentality. You're saved out of lack into an inheritance mindedness or an inheritance way of thinking. You see, you're saved. But how are you saved? You are saved to the degree you can remember if you keep in memory 
In other words, if you build a monument out of it, let me tell you, you've got to build a monument out of this thing. Otherwise, let me tell you, you'll be left with building a monument of other useless things. Build a monument out of the finished work of Jesus. Make a big deal of it. Talk about it in the bus. Talk about it in the car. Talk about it with your friend. Talk, don't be tired of talking about it. And guess what? Don't be tired of hearing about it. Don't be tired of hearing about it. That your sins are forgiven. You're tired of hearing about it. You say, Fiodi, tell us something else. Tell you what? Tell you what? Keep it in memory. You've got to keep it in memory. It says, by which you are saved. Let me tell you. I've told you this thing before. There are two kinds of salvation. I've mentioned this before. Alright? 2 Corinthians 5 and verse 17. If any man be in Christ, is a new creation. All things have passed away. All things have become new. That's, that's, the, that's the spirit recreation. That's the recreation of your human spirit. That's the first salvation. The second kind of salvation is the renewal of your mind. James 1.21 we want to look at it. James 1.21 He says that you receive the word of God with meekness. The engrafted word of God with meekness. Which is able to save your soul. Now I'm telling you that if you live on this planet. This planet. There are things you need to be saved from. In your mind. You need to be saved from scarcity thinking. You need to be saved from scarcity mindedness. You need to be saved from stinginess. You need to be saved from aradite-ness. <laughs> you need to be saved from looking out for yourself alone. You need to be saved from having a small view, a small world view about your life and living. You need to be saved from a consciousness of sickness. You need to be saved from a consciousness of sin. And what is the replacement for the consciousness of sin? The consciousness of righteousness. You need to be saved from all of these things. You need to be saved from interpreting your life in a small way. Paul said the life that you live is not a small life. But you are living it in a small way. He says come into those wide open spacious life that you have been called into. And stop living your life in a small way. You can be giving something so big. See let me tell you. God never created a small life. You can write it down. God never created a small life. God never created a small life. God never created a small living experience. Write it down and quote me anywhere. God never created a small living experience. But I'm telling you, people can interpret their lives according to the environment. They can interpret their lives according to the system. They can interpret their lives according to the structure. They can interpret their lives according to their education or the lack of it. They can interpret their lives according to their bank accounts. They can interpret their lives according to their exposure or the lack of it. They can interpret their lives in a small way. But God never gave anybody a small life. The Bible says the rich and the poor God made them both But it does not say God made them so He made them both But it does not, it does not say that he made them so God never made anybody poor God never gave anybody a small life to live I'm telling you Think about it How can a big God give small things Have you thought about that How can a big God give small things God does not give small lives your life is not small. You can be interpreting it in a small way, but that doesn't mean your life is small. Your life is big. Because a big God gives big things. And He does big. Some of you can interpret your calling in a small way. Oh, para astelekis. You know, you say, you say, I'm just a cameraman. I'm just a cameraman. I'm just a sound engineer. There's no, there's no small thing that God does. You can make a big deal out of the fact that you're a worship leader. You can make a big deal out of the fact that you know you lead worship in the church. That's where excellence flows out of. The excellence that is already inside you begins to flow out of the fact that you've made a big deal out of the life that and the assignment that God has given to you. Stop thinking about it in a small way. God never gave anybody a small life. Never. So, you are saved from small thinking by keeping in memory.
build a monument around, around redemption. Build a monument in your mind. Let it be a monument. Your generosity depends on it. Your experience of the life that Jesus gave depends on this monument. Make a big deal out of it. You know, don't allow the mind, the memory of what Jesus has done to become stale to you. You remember that your sins are forgiven and you don't dance. It then means it's becoming common to you. You see, if you make, let me tell you something. I, I want to digress a little. You see, if you make a, a big deal, a monument out of this thing, you will definitely make a monument out of the things, out of the, the, the gifts, the ministry gifts that God uses to teach you. Many call it hero worship. Many call it all of that. No, 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 no. This is just commonsensical. The Bible says, how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach without, it, without them being sent? In other words, it says, through the foolishness of preaching, many will come into their salvation. So in other words, whoever God has sent to you as your ministry gift, as your pastor, as your leader, you magnify it. No, you're not doing it just for the person. You're doing it for your own sake. Because it is important to give value to the things of the Spirit so that they can benefit you. Make a monument out of this thing. What made this woman to come with her alabaster box? You think if she encountered Jesus and she forgot, you think she would have come like that? She maybe have had one encounter with Jesus and she could never forget. Meanwhile, you had disciples who were staying around Jesus and then saying all manner of stuff. They give it to the poor. All of a sudden, the poor now seems to be more valuable than Jesus. Jesus did not form humble anything. Jesus did not form humble. He said, yeah, it's true. Give it to the poor. That's what some people want of their pastors, you know. Everything we have, we give it to the poor. You know, Jesus did not form humble there. He didn't say, yeah, that's true. Give it to the poor. <laughs> Jesus said, my friend, will you keep quiet? The poor you have amongst you all the time. But have you not understood that it is what you magnify that you that, that blesses you. It is a, what you make a big deal of that actually blesses you. So you know, I've done a lot of things in this one episode. There are things that I've talked about. There are things that I've talked about by not talking about them. I've actually talked about them by not talking about them. If you make a monument out of the stress in your life, it's going to bless you with more stress. You make a monument out of the trouble, you'll be blessed with more trouble. You make a monument out of the finished work, you'll be blessed with the accompanying peace. I'm telling you, there's a peace for your consciousness, there's a peace for your mind, there's a peace that you ought to feel. Glory to God. There's a peace you ought to feel. Hallelujah. There's a peace you ought to feel when you come into what Christ has done. I'm telling you. And when you make a big deal, a monument, you build a monument out of it, you, you begin to enjoy the accompanying peace that comes from knowing that your sins are forgiven. So I want to encourage us today as I close, make a monument out of what Jesus has accomplished. Make a big deal. Rejoice in it. Keep it in memory. That's how you are saved. That's how the second salvation happens. That's how your mind is saved. Do you understand? Your mind is saved from scarce thinking. Your mind is saved from, 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 from you know, smallness. The more you make a big deal of what Jesus has done. So, here's my submission to you today. Alright? Scripture always talks about what you should do in remembrance of me. What you should do. You know, it, it says when you partake of the communion, do this in remembrance of me. You see, also, my brothers and my sisters, 
whenever we are generous, we do it in remembrance of Him. Our generosity is in remembrance of Him. That doing it in remembrance, you see, is not a strange doctrine. It's not a strange teaching. We were born to be reminded of what Christ has done. What did Jesus say about the Holy Ghost? He said, He will bring to your remembrance all that I have taught you and all that I have said to you. This is when the Comforter, who is the Holy Ghost, comes. He will remind you of the things that I have taught you. He will remind you of all truth. He will bring to your remembrance the things that I have taught you. So God is big on memory. He's big on memory. He's very big on your ability to remember. He's very big. Very big. Praise God forevermore. Oh, hallelujah. So, when you know that you are on God's mind, right? When you know that you are on God's mind, that reminds you of God's generosity. You on God's mind equals generosity. Redemption on your mind equals generosity. You on your on the Father's mind equals generosity in sending His Son. Redemption on your mind equals generosity towards the Gospel. You on God's mind equals generosity in sending His Son to you. Redemption on your mind equals generosity towards the cause for which Jesus came. I'm telling you brothers and sisters, the body of Christ, you and I, must get to the point where we magnify the sacrifice more than our sacrifice. When we magnify the finished work more than what we do. When we magnify His sacrifice more than our, our convenience or our inconvenience. When what He has done becomes more, more real to you than what you do. If what Jesus has done is real to you and is real in your consciousness, what you are doing in response will never be a big deal. And I'm praying to God that we'll have a church that makes a big deal of what Jesus has done and not what you do. Makes a big deal of the finished work, of the sacrifice of Jesus. So that when you're asked to do this and do that, you're not thinking, look at the sacrifice I've made. Brothers and sisters, what Jesus did was to death. Now some of you might say, well, that is not required of me any longer. That is not required of me any longer. You see, you see, the basis of our redemption or the basis of the finished work of Jesus is that God chose you above himself. If this truth settles in your heart, it will yield a response. Where you begin to choose the cause of Christ above your convenience. You will not just be about doing things out of convenience, out of how convenient it is. No, but seeing what Jesus has done and responding to it. Brothers and sisters, I want to say this as I close. There will never be a time where you would be able to do something in response to the finished work that will be bigger than what Jesus has done. Never. That day will never come. There will never be a day where you would be able to make a sacrifice that is so big, it matches what Jesus has done. There will never be a day. There will never be a day when what you do will be able to match what Jesus has done. You see, all that we do is always a response to what Christ has done. And let me tell you, you can't say, Oh, purely, because it will never match up, then it, it should never be much. No. It is because it can never match up that we do the most. It is because it can never match up. That's why we respond with gratitude, with our best. It is because no matter what we do, we can never outgive God. Precious brothers and my sisters, you can never outgive God. No matter how much you give, no matter how many billions of dollars you give, you can never outgive God. So what is on our minds, my brothers, 
is that this gospel must reach the ends of the earth. If you look at that scripture again, you'll see it there. Jesus said, everywhere throughout the world. In other words, the gospel is destined to reach the world. And everywhere throughout the world where this gospel is preached, what this woman did will be mentioned as a memorial. Hallelujah. We build monuments of God's grace in our minds. Build monuments of the finished work of Jesus in our consciousness. Thank you for engaging yourself in this episode. We trust that your life has been beautified. If you'd like to share what Jesus is doing in your life through this ministry, please write to us at hello.blueprintstories.org. You can visit our website at www.blueprintstories.org. You can also follow us on Facebook at The Blueprint Church and on Instagram at The Blueprint Church. Cheers.